0: interview last week was so good that we decided to turn it into a two-part series. If you missed last week, you'll find the link in the show notes. It's not mandatory that you listen, but we want to make sure that you don't miss out on this amazing conversation. Hi, everyone. It's Roxanne Durhage. Nice for you to be here with us again today. I'm with a colleague and a friend, uh, Dr. Lubna Noredin of Mind Market. She is the co-founder and CEO of Mind Market. Uh, Lubna has um, been doing some special work out there in uh, the world of organizational consultancy. So, Lubna, thanks so much for being here with us today.
1: Absolutely, it
0: is my delight and pleasure to be with you, Roxanne. Because I mean, we're already hearing so much about quiet quitting. Uh, I don't think it's going to be so quiet if people, officers, are being told they have to come back to work. So I think in the first quarter of 2023, it would be interesting to see, like you said, in reference to needs and wants, um, and overall kind of, you know, goals for the company, um, and trying to find the balance, like some environments, I to your point, some employees want to go back to work, they've, you know, yes. they've, they're recognizing that they, you know, they're they're better, they're more productive, they need the connection and others are better, like you said, based on um, the stage and age of, you know, where they are at in their lives. It may be that the hybrid model works and others just would prefer to be virtual. It's it's up to the, the senior leadership team and the CEO, like you're saying, to make those decisions. But there's a bit of pressure now that people are saying. Hearing all, most companies are saying that people need to get back to work, and so I think that will be interesting to see how that shakes out, because is it that people are gonna, you know, um, like the Elon Musk's of the world that we've been seeing on Twitter, where he's telling people to go back, and the and you know the press that he's getting, you know, hopefully people are recognizing um, some of the things that you're saying, which is, you know, you may have you know a multi-million dollar investment that you need to protect. But if you're not thinking about, you know, the cross-section of what's in front of you percentage-wise in reference to needs and wants of your, you know, your diverse population, then then what, right? The investment um, or the return or the loss may be that much more dramatic long-term if you're not kind of looking at what's really in front of you.
1: You know, absolutely, Roxanne. And and holding the conversation, having the space, making the space for these conversations to happen, it's it's a time-consuming support system. However, it's so important because then you understand your own team and your unique needs for this organization. I think Mm -hmm. a balance might be a great recipe for some, it's not necessarily the best thing for all. However, holding open conversations with staff, allowing people to identify and feel the loss, let them express the loss of whatever they had, the habits they are used to. And to your point, it's, it's important to have a... Uh, to go back to the office and to have these relationships happen. It is not important across the board. Some people thrive in being alone and some people thrive in being in groups. And how can we create the balance for both? It's it's not an easy situation. However, it is uh, easily recognizable by having conversations with your teams, understanding their needs, their wants, and their limitations and their fears. Some of my fears may not be valid to you, but at least understanding them and holding that space will help you shift forward with decisions that make sense for all.
0: You know, it's interesting as I listen to you and you talk about with change, um, what's left behind is the most important thing to be addressed, right? And if you think about, you know, with um, COVID and still we have this lingering into 2023 about uncertainty, the economic environment. So some people that may not want to go back are thinking, geez, I better get back there because, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I'm worried about the fact that um, the economy is not so good, all those things. But, you know, I I think about um, when I was in consulting and we would make changes, Within 72 hours, it was a trauma response model we would use, where we would have people on site. So we, let's say, you know, myself as the uh, executive would know that there was a um, there was a layoff coming, and then we would be available. And it was so valuable, Lubna, and with because within 24 hours we were on the environment. We we deployed teams to go in, and all they were they they make these announcements. The companies that were in the know, I should say, not all of them. And we, we would have people just tell them about, you know, the basics, you know, how you're thinking, how you're feeling, how you're bo- experiencing your body is normal and natural because, you know, you're just kind of been size swiped here and now you no longer have a job kind of thing. But it's it's that tending um, that really, and then, of course, along with that, there would be outplacement services and such, those types of things. But that was very, very valuable because I could see, you know, um. Because people were being cared for, right they were no longer with the company, but at least you're saying to them, we understand um and and I think you're also if you're letting people kind of may you know go you're also these are people um, that have worked for you for a very long time they are also ambassadors to that change um whether they want to be gone or not, they're going out there in the world and maybe they may go on to other companies and they are the ones that are gonna talk about that experience of how they were treated even at the end.
1: No, no, and many companies, Roxanne, are paying the price of exactly that. This new generation have seen their parents laid off after years and years and years of unwavering commitment to their companies. They've seen the lack of loyalty from the employer to the employee, and now they have zero loyalty. Mm -hmm. they do not it doesn't mean that they don't care they care absolutely care but they've seen how disappointing the experiences of their parents have been and now they want to change that they're looking out for what is best for them what is quality work what is a work-life balance and they will not stop until they find that quality life that they're seeking not because they're not loyal but because they have learned by observing the experiences of their parents that taking care of me first matters. They've seen the disappointment, they've seen the pain and they've seen the loss. There's many layoffs that have happened where the employee is 50 or above and still could not find a job and had to go to lesser work because of ageism and sexism and all kinds of isms that are out there, right? But, this new kid on the block will refuse to be set by your ways and would rather find their way and their quality of life. So how do we make that possible and gauge and validate those people that are great talent out there? Because they're not believing in loyalty anymore.
0: And we right. did this. And, and did I mean, and most of us in our generation, we just kind of stayed. Like, I mean, I... I um... In my corporate, um, one of my corporate experiences, I was um, uh, severed, and I, rem- you know, it's interesting, right? You, you, you know, I worked for this company, absolutely, and um, and you know, at the time, talking about it from the personal experience and Lubna, I had been with loved this company at the time that I was with them, enjoyed it profusely, like, but at the end, I was at the point where I wanted to get out, but it was you know, busyness and. Young family, those types of things, and um, there was a there was a finally another act. There was, this was a, a like a out and out um, mer- um, acquisition. And the value alignments of the company that I belonged to didn't fit. So, you know, within two years, you'd know this best. 72% of the acquired company, the employees are gone. And I was at the top, one of the top levels. So I was one of the first at the top to go. Of course, the lucky I, one. I remember that experience. And I can tell you that story like it's yesterday.
1: Because, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely, I remember this. Yes.
0: And I'm like, you know, um, I remember, you know, walking towards the, you know, office all glass. I, I thought it was a performance evaluation. And then, you know, being told, you know, that uh, you know, there's been a decision, blah, 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 what, you know, whatever yes. the words. And the the you know, the corporate person, the executive understood, but the the person Roxanne went, what? What's happening here? And then you don't have a laptop, you don't have a cell phone, you you don't, you know, all You're those, gone. That person walked in to the corporate. Left and I, I didn't have a cell phone, you know, and and I'll never forget it. And I thought, well, how I, how am I going to call anybody? Because I, all I'd had it was a corporate cell phone, and that's just bringing it down to the basics. And I remember having stopping at a friend so I could use the phone, because then in fact I had to go get go out and get another cell phone. So I that person, I thought that is so fitting based on what you're saying. It's whatever is left, and and uh, I'm going to use the word shrapnel associated with change and how you treat people. Um, based on on change management, you know, and I could still remember, and I will probably remember it for the rest of my days, how I felt at that time was very, very key, you know, as you know, and we're talking a long time ago now, but the person, you know, tending to the internal space of that person is so very key. Um, And and
1: going back to that, Roxanne, I can assure you that uh, I know of a doctoral student who just graduated and did have a whole research on how much of emotional intelligence is being taught in change management prog- programs. And it's very small. So uh, her study is very interesting because she, uh, she compared the EI levels of change management professionals, and we're talking over hundred professionals with other professionals. So and the the EI was no different and Mm -hmm. that relationship building, that trust, that influencing are critical indicators during change. So I think the change management organization is actually working with International Coaching Federation and other protocols to create more of that human side of the business. And I think that it's important to bring it back to the human because I can assure you I talk in my speech, in my keynote, about superficial compliance. Mm -hmm. And superficial compliance can look good on the outside, but it's really detrimental to the organization on the long run because we resist superficial compliance and resistance Mm -hmm. comes in three ways. People escape, they quit, get out, get me out of here, people start to fight. So it's a fight mode, uh, compete against each other, uh, not working as a team and creating these silos and control hoarders of information, like people that hoard information. All these are signs of superficial compliance. And the third one is they quietly resign. In this case, they're in the company, they're masking their resistance behind masks with a smile and acceptance, and yet they've already quit mentally way before they quit physically. Uh, Superficial compliance is a dangerous result of throwing change after change after change with no regard to the human side of the business.
0: Now, on a positive note, with all of these things we're talking about, um, for any senior leaders or CEOs listening, and they're thinking, I'm in the deep end of the pool and I'm not really sure I have a life raft. What, what are some of the simple things that they should start thinking about or doing now? Because we, we still have time potentially for, you know, before we start into the new year, uh, based on some plans that they may have for people to return to work.
1: We have amazing CEOs out there that are doing the right things, all the right things, right? And for one that I heard from CEO of Microsoft, which incredibly resonated with me, I heard him uh, speak to an interview on Harvard Business uh, on LinkedIn. It was live on LinkedIn. And he said empathy. Empathy Mm -hmm. is a core competency that he looks for. In leadership in future leadership so whenever he's hiring or whenever he is promoting empathy is one aspect of leadership that he looks for looks for to me that is the most positive uh, news i could hear from a ceo that is a model for many ceos out there empathy is one way to start meet them where they are understand Mm -hmm. where they are and then help them shift where you see the future is. So listening, communicating, understanding the other person's perspective, keeping a curious mindset. These are simple ways we can overcome these challenges we see and become more intentional in our approach to change. Most importantly, I think it is a responsibility of every executive in the organization to make a clear commitment to elevate and eliminate toxic behaviors in the organization. The the organization may have the best culture in the world and you have one subculture that is toxic that could be consuming time and energy from everyone else and making that commitment to stop these type of behaviors is really critical. So empathy, listening, communicating effectively, and understanding where the people are so coming from a curious mindset curiosity brings all you know takes away all the regards of judgment and bias just be curious more and making a an commitment to truly elevate the culture and we elevated by eliminating toxic behaviors and toxic leaders that may be your best leader right and we can still use their expertise. We can still use their intellect, but have them in places where they're more effective without leading people. Not everyone is to lead people. Our most amazing brains in the world are not the best leaders. So have them use their intelligence, use their tact, use their knowledge in the right place, and have someone else lead the people side. So I think we have a lot of examples
0: of there, Roxanne, of great models for change, Mm -hmm. great models for change. Well, that, that's an amazing list of of things and really, you know, simple qualities. And I mean, I would say that you're right. We do have a lot of amazing CEOs out there that embody some of the the qualities that you're talking about. And, um, you know, empathy, you know, such a basic thing, but, Um, you know, just being kind with people around you. Like you said, if you don't know, um, ask. It's, you know, I'm I'm curious why or how how come you're having this response and not being complicit to toxicity, right? You know, and unfortunately, I think with my interviews with a lot of uh, people in management, they've seen companies move toxic um, leaders to different, you know, there's eight hospitals will move them around to kind of, you know, hide the problem. (laughs) Um, And then in turn, what does that do that just, you know, cross pollinates the toxicity. um, And then in turn that, that ruminates at the the core fundamental base of trust. And then, you know, you got a, you know, a huge, huge problem on your hands. Oh yes. Yes.
1: So. And that's where coaching Roxanne comes into place, right? Yes, for sure. And, And having, having a confident person, a place of confidence for you to have conversations that are high level with someone that is not in your organization
0: this is what the gift of executive coaching right that's when you and this is you something that the you, voice right and this is something that um uh, Lubna does with uh, you know with companies uh, across uh, you know the U- US Canada and internationally so Lubna tell us a little bit uh, about some of the things with these CEOs that are maybe looking and wanting direction, what are some things uh, that they should consider when, you know, looking at executive coaching? And I know we're almost at time, but, you know, what are some of the core fundamentals that people actually need to know so that if they are engaging and thinking, wow, we need to do some things, we need to get some, you know, uh, basic EI or, you know, emotional intelligence um, but we we we're not sure where to go. What are some of the competencies they should be looking in in executive coaching uh, just to kind of start that initial step?
1: I think you know, my recommendation in general that I give to the CEOs that I work with and to the ones that have not yet worked with is find the person in your life that's gonna hold engaging conversations with you. Uh, that provides a leadership conversation with you and that challenges you to do what is the best for the organizations. Being a CEO or an executive at that level is lonely. It really is lonely. And you cannot uh, share or talk or discuss possibilities that could be threatening to others within the realm of your organization. Find those people outside your organization, whether it's an executive coach Or a mentor or an advisor or a CEO that is at a different organization, you know, have some kind of a group council, CEO council forum. Have those engage in conversations on a weekly basis. This is not something that is nice to have. This is really important for your growth as a CEO. It is of absolute importance, Roxanne, because the conversations you have allow you to listen. To your own voice and allow you to make decisions based on new insights there's no time for you to do this alone and there's no time to do it within your groups because there's stuff happening you need the time and the space for you to think reflect and consider options and science and neuroscience is informing us that hearing your own voice and thoughts is your best segue to solutions so the neuroscience, uh, the journals are telling us that they're us about this, Roxanne.
0: Well, as usual, Lubna, my friend and colleague, this is an amazing conversation. And um, for anyone you know wanting to to reach out or uh, to consult or learn more about Mind Market, uh, where where can they get a hold of you, Lubna? So uh, mindmarket.org is the
1: uh, website and it's lubna at mindmarket.org more than happy to talk to you or chat with lubna.com is another option chat with lubna.com have a wonderful uh, afternoon
0: Roxanne. such a pleasure to see you and i'm sure we'll meet again i'm sure we will so for everyone listening what am i walking away with i guess You know, I call these the ROR moments in my interviews, which which is the return on relationship, which is my new book. And my one um, takeaway is when you are going through change, think of the legacy of what you're doing to the people um, in the organization. Think of their emotions, think of their space and think about what they're experiencing as a legacy as you make that change. And if anyone's wanting to know more about their relationships, um, either at home or at work, uh, what you can do is reach out to roxanderhodge.com forward slash quiz. There's a really, really quick quiz you take either at home or at work. And we'll we'll pop you back off some results on that mini quiz with some recommendations. Again, uh, Lubna, thanks so much. And for everyone, thanks so much for hanging out with us. I enjoy having these conversations. Um, and I learn a lot every single day with every expert that I bring on. Take care, Lumna. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhaj.com blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.